Well, strangely enough, the title of your page here, the little thing says, All God's Promises Are Yes and Amen. Isn't that a coincidence? So I want to talk about that a little bit uh, today. Uh, we're going to be talking about God's promises. This passage comes out of uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. It says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God, which is a fancy way of saying we align, we agree with what we see written in the word promises God specifically has for us. All God's promises concerning His children are yes, which is, if just translate that a little more clearly, indeed, certainly, right? So when we yell yes, it's exactly what we're talking about here. We're, we're declaring the promise that we're declaring God's presence. Indeed, certainly, and amen uh, means most assuredly. It's just underlining. Yes and amen mean yes, for sure. So when we talk about God's promises being yes and amen, we're talking about in Christ, they are certain. They are absolutely true every single time. So how many of you ever had a promise in your life that you've been holding on to and it hasn't come to pass like in the first 10 minutes you asked? Right? <laughs> right? This is our problem, isn't it? <laughs> it's a lot like fishing, you know. You know, you fish and sometimes it takes a while to reel it in. But that's probably one of the most important revelations you could have about the Word of God and the promises of God. God almost always takes us on this faith journey with the promises. He, he, it's so funny how he does. He's so sneaky, you know, because, so, you know, we get in this situation and we've got to answer something, you know, and so then we start going in faith toward that. And all along the way on that faith journey, he's changing, rearranging us, <laughs> rearranging things inside of us, even re rearranging things on the outside of us as we go toward that promise. We think he's playing hard to get. No, but what he's doing is he's actually giving you more than you think. That was very good, what I just said there. So we think God's playing hard to get. No, He's after more. He's going to give you not only that, but He's after more, not less. He's the more, not less God. I like that. Good job, Mike. That's good. He's the more, not less God. I talk about that all the time, but I'm beginning to really believe that. It took a long time for me to believe that, because it always seems like He's the less and the little God, you know. You know, okay, yeah, or the begrudging God, or why can't you just do it the first time this time, or whatever, you know, we get these attitudes and things. But the problem is, our attitudes are part of the whole deal, the receiving of the promise. He's shaping us on the inside. He just seems to have this knack of loving what we are on the inside. <laughs> so we're definitely not spoiled brats in the kingdom of God. But also, He shapes us. Our trials, our troubles, they, they, they maneuver us into even more faith, to expect even more. So it's always about more. More, more of Him, more of, of, of God in your life, more of character, but more answers too. Because once you learn to negotiate a few things, you start going for more. Yes, once you get through one trial, you can navigate more and more. And then pretty soon you start navigating into other people's problems. And you can pray for those too, based on what God did in your life. You see how this works? It's very, very uh, powerful, right? And so God's promises are, yes, indeed, certainly, yes, they're real. They come to pass. There, there are things God's promised. He never goes back on a promise. They, they are most assuredly firm. I like that, most assuredly firm. So the most important promise, of course, is the promise of eternal life, which we see in the Scriptures. I, I love these verses, they, everything that's about a promise to me is important and powerful because they always help lead me into even more truth and more promise. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, how do we get that promise? Well, it's apprehended by faith again. And that faith isn't just a one-time decision. It's a decision we make over and over again uh, for the Lord. We choose the Lord every day. We choose the Lord. We choose Him at a certain point in our life. That opens the door, and then we just keep on choosing Him our whole life. For it's by grace you have been saved, but, but through faith. If it was based on our works or what we did, we'd all be in a really bad place. Because just when you think you're getting to that pinnacle of holiness, you screw up again, right? <laughs> so, so you've been saved through faith. And the blood of Jesus covers us, but He covers us simply because we believe because of our heart attitude to the Lord. You can do a lot of things in this life, but you can't give up. You just keep standing on the promise. Yes, I didn't do very well. Matter of fact, maybe in this COVID season, maybe you've had a rough month or two, a year or two. Maybe it's been hard on you. Maybe you haven't been uh, very spiritual all the time. Maybe you've complained. Maybe you've yelled at your TV set more than once, right? For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. So even the ability to believe is the gift of God, which is an amazing thing, isn't it? He even gives you the ability to say yes and amen. It comes from God, not by works so that no one should boast. So it's not our works. It's not our holiness, but our faith in Him that He even gives us to go do mighty exploits for him. That's an amazing thing. I tell you, faith is such an amazing, wonderful gift from God. It just lets us navigate the whole kingdom. And that's why we don't see Jesus with our eyes every day. That's why uh, we don't always pray the first time and see things happen. There's this wonderful handiwork that God's doing. As a matter of fact, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's what we were made for. We were actually made to do good works. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's got these things that we're supposed to do. Pray for a sick person over here. You know, um, believe God for a miracle over there. Pray for our nation. We're, all these things, there's things that we're supposed to pray for and do. And God even knew it in advance, and He created them even in advance. He prepared those in advance. When you got saved, He had a whole laundry list of stuff that you're supposed to do. So the great adventure of life is making sure you do all of them, right? Check them all off. Don't let anything off that you were supposed to do. Make sure it's all fulfilled, right? And you do that by faith. And God's somehow encompassing the entire the whole thing and saying yes and amen over every promise. We do these things through faith in God's promises. I love, I love Matthew uh, chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. As you go, he said, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And he says this. Here's what I want you to do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, you stop and think about that for a moment and how it was sounding in their ears too. Like, What? Mark, did you receive? John, did you? Matthew, did you receive? No, I don't, he didn't give me nothing. <laughs> what, what is it they got, you know? Well, they got faith. They got go. That's all they got. Go and believe. Go and believe. That's all they got. But when they did, what? You heal the sick? Amen. Raise the dead? Cleanse those who have leprosy? Drive out demons? Freely have received. That's, that's a lot. Freely have received. Freely give. So in God's eyes, you freely receive. And there's all kinds of things as a believer that we look at the Scripture, we receive. That's why this thing was written. That's why God went through all the trouble of writing this through centuries. He didn't just want a big grand story. He wanted us to look at the other people in the Bible, see what they did, and be just like them. And inherit the promises of God. So all God's promises, all the nuggets we discover in here, are yes, yes and amen. Every, every time I run across a new promise in some area of the life, and they cover every area of life. You ever notice that? Every area of your life they cover. Man, I just get a hold of it and I hold on to it. That's 
part of what this sermon's about, holding on, learning how to hold on, learning how to persevere through promise till you get to the supernatural uh, provision sign. The promises of God are for your life right now, and also they follow you into eternity. Isn't that right? The Bible, according to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, is God-breathed. I like that. God-breathed. He breathes on the Word of God. He breathes on the Scriptures. It's full of Him, in other words. And they're useful for apprehending every good thing important for this life and for the life to come. That makes your Bible readings like take on a whole different place, right? That's why when I learned that, and as I've learned it through the years, the Bible is like my most essential thing because it's what I get to see, I guess, what I get to experience. It's, it's my, my playbook. It's what, what are we going to do today? You know, what's available? I didn't know that was available. That's incredible. You mean that's available for me? It's all in the book. And you, would, you can imagine as you read through this book and you, you look and you understand and so on and so on, you, you begin to realize, wow, this was all intended for me to grab a hold of for others and for myself. I'm going to just list a few of my favorite lists. And they're very, very powerful. One of my favorites is in Isaiah 54 because it's a messianic passage. So in Isaiah 53, Isaiah is prophesying hundreds of years before Jesus came. He's telling us about what Jesus is going to do on the cross. He's going to die. He's going to be pierced for our sins. He's going to be crucified. Even some of the amazing details about what actually happened are right there in Isaiah chapter 53. But Isaiah chapter 54, which is the next chapter, is all about what Jesus purchased for us on the cross. And some of my favorite promises are here. And I'm, as I read some of these promises, I'll guarantee you some of you are going, whoa, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Oh, I forgot about that one, right? And that's God. That's the Holy Spirit waking you up. Hey, knock, knock. This is for you. This is for you. All right. Verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. That's why we see the current shaking, the things that are happening around the world today in a different light. They're horrible, they're terrible, they're crazy, they're up and down and everything. The world's going like that, but God's unfailing love doesn't let us be shaken. Nor my covenant of peace be removed. And that word peace is the word shalom, which is an incredible word. It's not just peace in terms of inner tranquility. That would be very nice. I like that. But peace, the word shalom, means all kinds of things. Goodness to you in all areas of your life. Peace in your finances, peace in your family life. Shalom. When, when Hebrews would say shalom to one another, it's a big word. They mean God bless you in every possible way. Let your whole life be full of blessing and grace. I love that word, shalom. Says the Lord who has, what? Compassion on you. Wow. So, though the mountains be shaken, are a few mountains being shaken right now? I would say so. A few hills being removed. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of shaking going on. Yet God's unfailing love didn't go anywhere. That's why it drives the world crazy. We just aren't that upset about everything. We're just not going down the trail of panic and freaking out. And that's normal for us. I've thought about it for a while. You know, I thought, well, I don't know that we made any really conscious efforts to be rebellious or try to meet when other people weren't meeting. Or da, da. I never did that. I just, I, I don't know. I'm just not too worried about it. I just, <laughs> I just do. I, I like to worship. So we just come and worship. But God's here, right? And God's love's with us. And so what God's love does, it calms you down yeah. your whole life calms you down just in a wait a minute, you know, and you just go about your business. And it just freaks people that are freaking out a lot because they think you don't care, you're stupid or whatever. But 
I don't know. I like this covenant of peace. How about you? 11. Afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comfort. Doesn't mean we don't go through storms. We're in a huge one in our nation right now, but and some of you are in individual predicaments. I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise. You are foundations with lapis lazuli. I'm going to really build you. When I rebuild you, it's going to be with some really good stuff. Could I just say that to you? There's a lot of us that are being rebuilt right now with really good stuff. In other words, this should fully be expected by, if you haven't experienced it yet, we should actually come out of this better than ever. The better job, more money, more opportunity, more everything. So a Christian can do that. There's these winds blowing around. So what we do is we just put our sails up and we just learn to catch them. Ooh, that was a bad one. But you know what? That wind could take me over here. I've never tried that before. Wow. Well, I've never done that. I'm a little afraid, but hmm. Well, here's an opportunity. I think I'll go try that one. <laughs> so all kinds of sails are going up right now, right? And they, they're good sails. They take you good places. And if you go to a bad place, you can fix, God will fix it. Don't worry about the movement and change that's going on right now. Don't worry about it. You know, if you move to Florida, find out there's a lot of mosquitoes there and you hate it, come back. You know? And if you want to move to Dallas and go through one of their uh, summers, great. And after it's over, you want to come back? Come on. Before it gets really cold and icy, right? So, afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comfort, I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with lapis lazuli. I will make your battlements of rubies. It's talking about the gates and the covering of God over the city of Jerusalem. Your gates of sparkling jewels, all your walls of precious stones. But here it goes again. All your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. Amen. Wow! That's a pretty good one, isn't it? And so we apprehend these, these promises. I love this promise so much. This is why I like this section of Scripture. Matter of fact, look, if you have a child that needs to be prayed for today, and they're not having so much peace. Maybe they're away from the Lord or they're sick or something. Stand up right now. You on the live stream as well. Stand up in your living room or if you're driving in your car, raise your little finger. Or do something as an act of faith. So Lord, I declare this scripture over all of our children. All our children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. I declare it over every single one of them. In the name of Jesus, according to your promise right here, Lord, I pray that over all of them. I pray even some of us would get evidence right now of breakthrough with our kids. Maybe someone give us a call. They haven't called us in a long time. Maybe someone would demonstrate some spirituality they haven't had in a while. Maybe they calm down their body, their mind, their spirit, whatever it is. But we declare today, according to this promise of Scripture, all, not just one, not three, not a half, not two, all of them will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. Amen. Okay, you can sit down. And righteousness shall be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. You really believe that. You look really crazy in today's world. You look like you're nuts. That guy, something's wrong with him. He's not afraid. No, I'm okay. You're the one that's out of being crazy. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Are you kidding me? I like that one a lot. See, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. It is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. God even created these characters out there for his own purposes, to let his glory come forth in the earth. No weapon forged against you will prevail. 
He will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Wow. That's worth the price of admission. Okay, close your Bible. I can go home now. I'm good. I preach good. I just can't do that. I just haven't been able to like condense sermons like that before, so I just gave up. All right. So we're going to go on to some more cool stuff. Psalm 103. Another section of my favorite promises. Oh, they're just reading them. I just read these pages and then we just go home because this is a, this, this, they're in there. All of them have a sermon. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Forget not all His benefits. And here they are. Who forgives? How many of your sins? All your sins. Oh, no way, man. That was a really bad mistake I made. I don't think I can quite be forgiven for that. And the ones I sin against, they remind me every day. I can't be forgiven. No. But no, he says, forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. No spoiled sport here. He, you should be satisfied with good things. What would be good things? My kids know the Lord. I got a nice place to stay. I got all kinds of things, spiritual things, physical things. These are all God's will. I just free you to enjoy them. I free you to expect them. <laughs> They're part of your heritage. They're part of what it means to accept the promises of God. All these promises are yes and amen. They are indeed, certainly, and most assuredly true. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isn't it nice when you get a good thing and just feel new again? You feel like, wow, oh, what a breath of fresh air. Wow, that's amazing. The Lord works just, righteousness and justice, justice for all the oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. I love that. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, wow, that's a long way. Now we know that more now on, in this season, right, of this age, this, of, because of science and everything, we know how high the heavens actually are. Think about that. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. I'm loved that much. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions, our mistakes, the things that we thought we could never get over. He already removed them. As far as the east is from the west, so why do you keep dilly-dallying around? Why do you keep resting on them and crying over spilled milk and what you did and what somebody else did to you? They're all removed. I, I like that. So far as He removed our transgressions from us. Not only transgressions that we've done, but transgressions done toward us. He removes them. He wipes his slate. As the Father has a compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I love these passages. These are all the promises of God. I mean, just reading these lists just make you pretty excited. If you actually believe in promises, if you actually believe they're yes and amen, then these lists and others like it and other examples in the Scripture do you a lot of good. That's why it's so good to be close to your Bible. You get to find out all the good news, all the good stuff God has for you, right? There's the warning, certainly, so I'll stay out of that, but look at all the good stuff. What then shall we say in response to these things? Romans 8:31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who? We should just say that all together. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, you don't have to say any more than that. He who did not spare his own son, 
but gave him up for us all. Can you imagine your son crucified, bloody, there for someone else? How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? How in the world do we get talked into these dark spaces? It's amazing to me how I get talked into these places. You know, I get into this space and I get discouraged and disillusioned and, you know, and then pretty soon it just gets worse and worse. And I'm thinking, wow, how am I ever going to get out of this? But God says, you know what? I graciously give you all things. I'll help you get I'll do it. Not only will I help you out, I'll do it with a smile. <laughs> Sometimes we think we're pulling on God so hard, you know. Oh, come on, please. Just let that blessing. Come on, come on. <laughs> and God says, you don't have to pull yank on, on me. I graciously give you things. I will help you. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is who condemns? No one. Who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who is raised to life. Is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. God is actually praying for us. Does he pray good stuff? I think so. According to the book. So he's not only got good stuff, he's also praying that you'll get the good stuff. Last time I checked, his prayers always get answered. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, COVID-19, nakedness, danger, sword? <laughs> For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor COVID, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Terrorists, problems, diseases, whatever, right? That's our inheritance. All God's promises are yes and amen. Just can't forget that they're there, right? God's promises are apprehended often through faith journeys. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 11 is about a lot of those faith journeys. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What do I mean by a faith journey? It's that he, he takes you on these journeys of trouble. He takes you through difficult circumstances to teach you something new about your inheritance, how good he is, to teach you something new about how you can help him and be uh, an assistant, so to speak, be a part of the process of getting the world delivered. He enlisted us as disciples, followers, but not just followers in the sense of we're following and obeying every word, but we're following in the sense of what his intent is for the world, right? So we're these disciples. So he, he uses the world to take us on a journey. And so we learn, and as we learn what is available for us, then what happens is we're able to release that faith to someone else. And he just loves to use us to dispense his promises. So... Faith without works, James 2.17 says, it's dead if it's not accompanied by action. So when he says without faith it's impossible to please God, faith isn't just a state of mind, it's an action. Often when I'm thinking about a problem, I'm thinking, my first thought these days is, okay, this is a really big problem, and I'm on a journey here. <laughs> so I don't know how long this journey is going to be. I've been on really long ones. I'm on a couple of really long ones right now. But I'm... Well, I'm always looking for the end, man. I'm always looking for when that's going to end. But along the way, I've got to admit, even in the harshest and longest journeys that I have learned so much. And that's the point. And so we learn these lessons about God. We learn who He is. More importantly, we also learn how to appropriate these promises for someone else. 
We become a dispenser of God's promises and the answers to them in a certain way. We get good at a certain thing by taking a journey because it's our testimony that's livid and vibrant. It's, it's powerful in us. And we're able then to take that testimony and apply it to somebody else's life. And we become believable, right? And so just little testimonies and big testimonies. So when we're talking about this faith and stuff, we go on a whole journey of answered prayer about a situation. So maybe uh, some of you have been wanting to change jobs for years. And you're praying and praying about it, but nothing seems to break loose. Well, you're on a journey. And God knows what you need, and God knows what you want. And He'll give you that, but it's going to take a little while sometimes. Sometimes the journey is like 10 minutes, and it's done. I like those. I like those a lot. But the long ones are the ones that we learn the most from, right? And so we find in Hebrews 11 a bunch of people that took faith journeys, right? A cloud of witnesses and heroes who built their lives on believing God's promises are yes and amen. Man, I tell you, the father of all who believe, Abraham, what a ride that guy had. Wow, man. And just when he thought he was out of the woods, God says, oh, why don't you go take uh, Isaac up there? You see that mountain up there? Why don't you just sacrifice him for me, please? <laughs> Whoa. And he'd been through enough with God, through so many journeys, it's okay. He knew that on the other side of this, somehow God was going to make it turn around. Maybe he was reasoning in his mind. Matter of fact, I think there's a passage that says something like that, that he was thinking that God could just raise him from the dead. And it would be okay. I think that by the time he got to Isaac, for all the things he'd been through, he just knew, okay, it's time to obey. <laughs> and it's going to come out all right. It's going to come out all right. I don't know. I don't understand why I'm moving this way or that way. I don't understand why I lost my job. I don't understand why I'm sick right now. I don't understand. But I'm going to get to the other side of this. And when I do, I'm going to find that I know more about God. I'm more equipped now to do this for other people, to pray for them and to empathize with them and to be really a resource for them. And God has this unique way of causing all of our problems to draw us together and to cause you to exercise so much more love when you've been through something and you see someone going through the very same thing. You have unlimited compassion. You are God's hands and feet to that person. That's the incredible revelation of the body of Christ. See, the thing is, part of your provision comes in the form of people like this all around you. So to pull away from the church and the body of Christ is insanity. It is the nutsiest thing you could possibly do. Because there's people with skin on and they don't look too spiritual and they look too great and you know them and you think, wow, that guy doesn't have much to offer. That guy's really, man, he's worse off than I am. That could be that guy's prayer. Whatever that guy says to you, the prophetic word that absolutely delivers you and it'd be just like God in that weakness to do it just that way. That's why we together are so powerful to separate yourself, according to the scripture, quarrels against all sound wisdom. Because the body of Christ, he gives this one this gift, this one that gift, and then he delivers that gift, his gift, through that person's faith to you. So if you don't have any contact with people or any prayer contact, nobody's praying over you, you don't have, know anybody, wow, you just cut yourself off from resource. I don't know why God does that that way. I think he can give it directly to you. But let's just say he can give it directly to you and then there's this much that you get. But if you have the whole body of Christ operating, you have friends and people are praying, you're praying for people, they're praying for you, then the, the, the provision just opened up even wider. I don't know about you, but when I get in trouble, I'm looking for every form of provision, every answer I can possibly find on my faith journey. And often it's in the body of Christ. It's right here, right in front of your face. Ah. Oh. God, why do you put things together like this? Wow. Oh, he just at the same time, 
He has these weak people. He puts their strength in them. We find strength in our weakness. Somebody will say a word to you and it makes all the difference in the world. Somebody just make a casual comment. Somebody has a testimony about something that you're going through right now. You just glom on. Okay, tell me about this. And then what happened? And what do you think I should do about that? I mean, these things are like treasures. And that's how God does it with us. He takes us on these journeys that sometimes go right through to other people. And they're, they're, they got the answer for us. Or they got part of the answer. Or, or you hear a testimony. I bought my house that way, for heaven's sake. The first house I bought in Southern California, which was monumental for me. But I gave up. I had been searching, trying, trying. I couldn't find anything. I was even fibbing a little bit. I told everybody my father had a lot of money. That was for the down payment, you know. I'm just <laughs> searching, searching. <laughs> trying. God, i got to buy this house. How am I going to buy this house, you know? <laughs> and, and so I, I, I was on this journey, and I'm... And I gave up. I remember the moment I gave up. I, said, I ain't doing this anymore. I was living in Pasadena. And I was having to drive all the way to Mission Viejo. I'm not doing it. I'm through. So I walk in the church that day. And some of you have heard this story. And I walk in the church that day. And I sit on the front row. And there's a guest speaker there. And I'm thinking, oh, oh man. I don't want to hear no guest speaker. You know, when you're like that, you don't care. It could be, it could be Jesus. You don't want to hear from him. You, know? you don't care. <laughs> anybody, it doesn't matter, guest speaker, it could be the angel Gabriel, who cares, you know, but that's <laughs> kind of what I was in, so then he starts giving, this, this, the guest speaker comes in, well, I'm sitting there, and he starts giving this testimony about how he bought a house, and he went through all how horrible it was, and how he didn't have any money, and how he had to walk by faith, and then after he got it, how he freaked out, because he realized they let him have a house, and he shouldn't have had it, he shouldn't have qualified, because then he couldn't pay for it, so he had to, talked about that journey, and that's what I'd been afraid of all, and when I heard that, I didn't even let him get finished with the sermon, as soon as he said that, I got, oh my gosh, then I hear this voice say, what did you leave undone, like this, a voice in my head, I said, well, I, I blew off that realtor in Mission VL. I told him, and, uh, well, why don't you go see him, now, yeah, now, so I got up, Got the kids out of the nursery, my wife, everything, drove all the way down, and a little three of the kids in the back. No, we didn't have three at that time. Oh, we did. We just had Michelle. We had three kids. They're all in a Toyota Corolla, stuffed in the back. And then they would escape, and they'd climb in the front seat, and then they'd be in the floorboard because they don't want a cop to catch them, you know, that stuff. So we're driving, and we finally get to Mission Viejo, and I, I just, okay, that's the only thing I left undone. I hadn't answered the guy. The guy said he thought he could help me, and I said, you're out of your mind. Nobody would give me a loan. It's, I've been tried already 30 times. Nobody gave me a loan. This is why. I was trying for condos. Now you're telling me a three-bedroom, two-bath house? Some of you are getting benefit from this testimony right now. A three-bedroom, two-bath house is available. And I had struck out on two-bedroom condominium. Not only two-bedroom, two-bath, two-bedroom, one-bath condominiums. No one would give me any money. I'm saying, yeah, my father has enough money. My father has enough money. But nobody would qualify me for the loan. So... The guy explained to me, look, just try. Just try. Maybe we can get the guy to take back a second, whatever. Just, just trust me. I can do this. So I trusted him. Went back, went to the loan office, gave him every reason. Before he even opened his mouth, I told him, this is all the reasons why I can't qualify. <laughs> he looked at the piece of paper and he says, I think we can help you. My mouth hit the floor. I couldn't believe it. I thought, this guy's an idiot. What is he doing? <laughs> even I know I shouldn't get, the, get this loan, right? That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> this cloud of witnesses, right? So, <laughs> so man, how did I get on this? Well, anyway, so, 
So I found out later, like two years later, and this is even odd too. Two years later, a lady came to my house. And we had this big home group we had in my house all the time. She comes in, and you've heard this story before, but she's, so she was a, 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 a bank official at this bank. I said, and I looked at her and I said, you're from, you're, I won't say the bank, but you're from that bank. And I said, she, said, she said, yes. And I said, you are crazy, man. Why did you guys give me that loan? I almost, almost wasn't able to pay my payment 10 times, you know. And she said, uh, oh, I know exactly when this. You bought the house in this month and this year, right? <gasps> How did you know that? She said, because we did an experimental program that month. We decided that we would widen all the margins in that month to see how many people would foreclose. <laughs> well, I didn't, and I haven't, and we're good, right? But <laughs> see how many people. <laughs> I just stood there, and she said, I just was awestruck. I thought, oh, no wonder I couldn't get in. I couldn't get in, couldn't get in, until finally I had to come to that month where they were doing that program. And then I went. Instead of a condo, I ended up in a house. And then I cried for 12 months about not being able to pay for it, right? But I did. And you know how? Because I remember the guy's testimony. He said, then I got in. Then I couldn't pay for it for 12 months, right? And I remember what he said. So I took that promise every day. I remember, okay, I remember what he said, right? So we find in Hebrews 11 a great cloud of witnesses and heroes who built their lives on believing God's promises. And so we can read about these heroes ourselves. We can get a feel for them. You know, Abraham's example is like, wow, this lifestyle is like... His lifestyle is the most amazing of it all, right? He's the, that's why he's the father of all who believe. He set the stage. By faith, Abraham, when, he call, uh, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He just, I guess he just said, go south. <laughs> go. So he just went, kept going, you know? And in those days, he didn't like to have, like, like, nice gas stations and hotel holiday inns along the way. I mean, it's dangerous. You left... Your home, you were totally exposed. They would just kill you and take all your stuff and nobody would know the difference because you were a foreigner. It was a hard thing. By faith he made his home in the promised land, which we call with such you know, reverent tones the promised land. But for him it was this bunch, bunch of bloodthirsty savages that were wanting to kill and steal and take his wife twice and even let them. <laughs> then the God, God intervened and got her back, right? I mean, that's how much faith Abraham had. Wow, I think there's room for us. A father of all who believe had a couple of problems along the way. But nevertheless, he kept going. This lifestyle, he kept doing it. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. One thing after another. There's a rhythm to faith like that. Once you get one miracle, you go for another and another and another. You're supposed to, matter of fact, take these faith journeys where you're supposed to learn from that one because a bigger one's coming down the road. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Anthony. A bigger one's down the road, right? <clears throat> so, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, or heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was, just, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so, <laughs> listen to this. From this one man, and he as good as dead, he was a little bit old, <laughs> came, came, I used to say that and just be so happy, he was a little bit old, and then I realized I'm old. <laughs> but I don't think I'm as good as dead, do you, Janice? I think I'm okay. <laughs> 
gave his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Wow. I mean, when you read about Abraham, it sets the tone, right? But then he has this son, the heir, and then God says, you know what? See that hill over there? I want you to kill him. What? I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. You said you love me? Offer him as a sacrifice. By faith, Abraham and God tested him. Oof. Offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He would embrace the promises, <laughs> was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. No wonder we have problems. No wonder we go through twists and turns. It's right here in the scripture for us. God's testing you because there's something about God that loves faith more than almost anything else. It shapes our character. It makes us who we are. Our faith, the expression of faith in difficult circumstances. He uses that to make us soft and tender and loving and to see with eyes that other people don't see. How do you know in this Christ that we're in, there's a whole bunch of people that need to see eyes. See with eyes that other people don't have. And you learn that through experience in the past. Through so many things you go through, you learn. So then here we have a COVID plague, right? But we handle it differently because God's been faithful to us before. And we know how to walk. We're not like the rest of the world wringing their hands. It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac from death. So just as the knife's going down, he says, wait! Right. But he thought, well, even if I kill him, this promise is so real, God's going to resurrect it. Can I just say a word about that? I don't know how many of you have experienced this, but I've experienced the death of a vision, a death of a promise, only to see it resurrected again. When I was even buying that house, like I saw 16 visions burn in front of me. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. Oh, I like that one. Oh, good, good. Mostly around Irvine, you know. I, I found every townhouse, everything. Knife, 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 knife. And I've had other things like that. Even when we were trying to find this place and this building. Knife, 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 knife. Till finally the right one came, right? So that's what God does. We, we go through these times, but through the process, we learn perseverance. We, we learn uh, how to, to walk with God in greater and greater ways. And so uh, it's, it's really quite remarkable. I love these passages. We don't throw away our confidence. We, we don't shrink back. We persevere in what the Scriptures reveal as the will of God for us. Hebrews 10. Oh, this is such an important passage. So don't throw away your confidence, especially in this hour. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what He's promised. For in just a little while... He who is coming will come and will not delay. God's little while doesn't seem like a little while to me many times, but it is in the long scheme of things. But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. That's why the church can't shrink back. We've got to be who we are. We've got to school our children how we're supposed to school them. We've got to do what we're supposed to do. We do not shrink. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We belong first to another government. And it drives this government and other governments absolutely crazy. We literally walk to the beat of a different drummer. Sorry, I like his drum beat better than yours. Because <laughs> it always lands me in a good place. Not necessarily a safe place sometimes. 
maybe even sometimes a dangerous place. But God always delivers. His promises are always yes and amen. We earnestly seek God in prayer, and we do what He says. Hebrews 11, 6, And without faith it's impossible to please God. That phrase right there is the most dangerous passage in the whole Bible. Want to please God? I want to be so pleasing to God. <laughs> oh, here's a nasty situation. Exercise faith in it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> right? And it happens. You don't have to look for them. The whole world's full of these kind of circumstances. Without faith, though, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. And what? And this is the great part. That He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So we come in prayer. We earnestly seek Him. We earnestly seek Him in our life. We, we don't give up. We don't shrink back. We, we don't say things that we regret later, like I have so many times. God even answers prayers for whole cities and nations in times of great trial. And this should be our greatest addition to our country. When we go through individual things, we can pray that over an entire nation. Matter of fact, God expects us to be light, salt in this culture, looking for a different result over our country, expressing a different vision, a different dream. Jeremiah tw chapter 29, verse 7. Seek the prosperity and pe peace and prosperity of the city to which I have called you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Wow, that's a word for us. See, these people got exiled from their own country. They were captives. And God said, look, pray for them. Pray for these murderous people that throw us in jail and that took us out of our home country. Yeah. Because when the government's good there, it'll be good for you. You pray for those in authority. Pray that God will change their mind. See, the Babylonians were not nice people. The Assyrians were not nice people. They're bloodthirsty murderers. They didn't care about anything but themselves. Sound familiar? That's what governments are like. But you know what? God can change governments, change things. If God's people in faith are crying out, like He said to, even when you feel like you're in captivity, I don't know how many feel like you're in captivity right now, but feels that way some ways. You feel like you're in captivity, right? But we don't wring our hands. We pray for them. We pray for Joe Biden and every single leader because when they get wisdom, it really is a blessing. <laughs> when, they, when they get smart, when they start doing things the right way, when they start seeing things right, then guess what? So that's where we depart from the political spirit that's in our country. That's where we depart. We can understand why they say the way they are. We can see why certain things aren't wisdom. But actually, uh, we may not like our particular people in authority or whatever that is, but we pray for them. We literally intercede for them because we believe that our prayers make a difference and that God says to do it. And actually, we see it in all kinds of scriptures and passages. And Israel was the poster child for this because they're always getting captured. <laughs> Passed from one nation to another, right? And the prophets said the same thing to them because they were being judged for their stuff. And God was taking them through a process too, which ultimately ended. But look what he says here in Second Chronicles chapter 7. This is Solomon as he's dedicating the temple. I'll just pick up with the verse 11. When Solomon finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Now this is representing, it's symbolic of us as the temple. The Bible calls us the body of Christ. Individual, not the building, but us. We gather together. We are the temple. For, and we offer up sacrifice. The sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. Prayers are offered up. When I shut up the heavens so there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land 
or send a plague. Can I say that again? Send a plague among my people. No, sorry. Yeah, among my people, among my people. We're, we're, we're experiencing it too. If my people, the ones that are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now look at this. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. So when the saints play, pray, his eyes are attentive, his ears are hearing. I have chosen and consecrated this temple, that's us, so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Listen, church. God's eyes and heart are with us always. Even when we experience the troubles and the tribulations and the trials, His heart's with us always. The question is, are our eyes and hearts with Him? Do we believe His promises? Do we believe our prayers make a difference? Do we, are we complaining to the place where we actually have no left, no faith left for God to change the situation? to do sovereign things that are impossible for us to do. If you look at the last part, the parable of the sower teaches us how to inherit God's wonderful promises. It explains the strategy of Satan and the world around us to steal, kill, and destroy every good seed promise of God. And I want to read through this uh, uh, in conclusion, this, this parable, because there's tremendous meaning here. It's about when you get a promise from God, the seed, right? And so... As you notice through this parable, you can find yourself kind of where you're at in it sometimes. And so I want to just read these verses. So he says, while a large crowd was gathering, people were coming to Jesus from town after town. He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among, along the path. It was trampled on. The birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. Now remember these grounds, okay? So one's along the, the path. Here's the rocky ground. When it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Now, think of the seed as a promise. So this promise is trying to grow up and become visible in your life. But there are things that are getting in the way, right? There's the rocky soil. There's the soil along the path. There's soil that fall, seed, seeds that fall among soil where there's thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. So other seed fell on good soil that came up and yielded a hundred a, a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. So I'm just about to give you a secret of the kingdom, of how our interaction with God works, how faith works, how seeds of promise that God puts in us, how they grow into plants, how they become fruitful. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been give, has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God, the promise of God, something that you find in the Bible. Lord, I want to be married. So we look at the stories of people who weren't married, who waited a long time. Say, Lord, I'm believing, I'm trusting. Look what you did. Well, look what you did with them. Look, look at what you did in this, this case. Or I need money. Lord, I'm sick. Lord, I, I don't know what to do about my children. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the, who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So God will speak a word to you, a promise to you, and that promise is to be believed and followed. You walk with that promise. It's alive in the inside of you, and it starts on the inside of you before it works its way on the outside. But you can't let it go dark, right? So some people, what happens is they, 
the, the devil comes and just takes the word from, from their, their heart. Verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. A, a, what word? A word about your life, a word about change, a word about marriage, family, a word about finance, a word about you get the word, a word about your healing, whatever it is. Receive the word with joy. You hear a prophetic word. You, you read it in the Bible and you rejoice, but when they hear it, but they have no root, they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. That word noble is a very interesting word. It's the word kalas, which means beautiful, special. It's a, it's a word like good is one word, but it'll be more than good. It's a beautiful heart. So we're talking about a person who has a beautiful heart. If you have a beautiful heart, then what happens is the seed of promise falls in and it bears a harvest. You get what you're asking for. You, you enter into the fullness of that promise. So the seed along the path, first of all, God gives a promise to you, but it takes no root in your heart because it's stolen by Satan. Isn't that interesting? Satan can actually come into that. You, you thought you had it. You were all inspired. And this is kind of the way it works. I read my Bible. Wow! Look, Janice, look at this promise I got. Wow! Or you... You, you know, you hear a word like this spoken or, or you hear a testimony or a prophecy. Someone prophesied something to you and they had no idea what was going through it, but they were prophesying the word of the Lord to you and you know it was a word because they had no idea what you were going through and they even gave an answer that was so incredible, right? But then guess what? The enemy sees that and he can come and take it or try to take it. But you got to be smart because what it feels like is, wow, I was pretty excited yesterday, but today... What happened? Here's what happened. You didn't retain it. You didn't hold it. It was alive. Yesterday, it was there. You can get it back. We've got to hold on to that thing. That's what it says. Hear the word, retain it, and by persevering. You persevere over that word. You don't let it go. You hold on to it. Because Satan would... That's against the rules. How could Satan steal an idea, a thought in my heart? Well, ideas and thoughts are where the kingdom resides. Before the thing comes the thought, comes the faith, comes the eternal world, the invisible world. We have to learn to do business in the eternal and invisible world. In a culture that's sort of secular and like ours, it's difficult sometimes to deal in supernatural currency. And we have to learn. This word at the end, the good and noble heart hears a word, retains it, holds it, perseveres till it comes to the end. That's why I call it a faith journey, because what you get at the end may take a while. It took me a while. It took me like eight months to buy the house. But some promises are even longer than that. I'm working on promises that are much longer than that. Keep praying for my son David. Something's changing. I can feel it. Just tiny. That's what we, we have a hard time with. Tiny. We don't like tiny. We want the whole thing. But I can feel 20%, 25%. I can feel change. I can sense it. I notice it. So I know I'm on a long faith journey, but I can see momentum beginning to pick up. I, I notice this. Hey, that wasn't there before. So what we do sometimes, and I did this for years with him even, just discouraged, give up, try everything, can't get a bit of faith, wonder what in the heck, how in the world did this happened to me? I was such a nice guy. Satan looks at you and says, so what? I'm taking it anyway. I know how nice a guy you are, and that's why I'm taking it. I hate your guts. 
Would Satan say that? Yep, does it every day, right? No, that's not fair. How could he do that? I got Jesus in my heart. Yeah, you do. So when he comes to take it, put the shield of faith up and don't let him get in. You mean I'm supposed to do that? Yeah, that's your responsibility. I thought he would just do it. No, you get to do it with him. All these promises are yes and amen. Why do you think you have to say indeed and most assuredly so much? Because <laughs> you're part of it. <laughs> yes. Hey, Lacey, say yes. That's it right there. <laughs> I learned that from you, man. I, see I find myself doing that everywhere. I was in a Presbyterian church the other day. I went home to see my mother. You know, and it's not exactly like here, but it's, it's a great service. But there came this worship part, and I, and I went, yeah! Because if I'd have said that, it would have freaked out half the church, right? But here, you're, you're free to say yes and amen. <laughs> the seed sown along the rocky ground. The good seed is suddenly challenged by the distraction of severe problems and testing. You notice that? Got this promise, you know, this promise of healing, this promise of grace in your life, and all of a sudden, everything around you suddenly gets worse. You know? You thought tomorrow is going to be a better day. But instead, that disease or sickness just gets worse. It's, it's compounded. Or something else happens. Five thing, bad things happen instead of one. And, the, and Satan deliberately does that to smother it. So you will not retain the word that you got. And you get these words through reading your Bible, through other prophetic words. So you get, a lot of things come from your Bible. You get inspired or a testimony by somebody or a prayer that somebody offered. And there it is, vibrant in your heart. And then all of a sudden, the strategy of the enemy is just to over, overwhelm you, right, with trouble. The good seed is suddenly challenged by the distraction of severe problems and testing. Third, the seed that fell among the thorns represents problems choked by the worries and busyness of everyday life. Man, busyness, ordinary life, chokes the seed, takes the seed, we're choked by these worries. Everyday life is so amazing because we all have to be in it. We have to travel the freeway, we have to do these things. But it's so important that in the midst of our everyday life that we just find ways to be spiritual, find ways to hear God, listen to His voice, read a Bible a verse, just anything along the way to keep the, the seed alive in us. Because over time, and this is why not coming to church or gathering with other believers is so dangerous, because coming, and you get reminded again. There's other people saying yes, and other people worshiping and praying. You know, other people like you. Even just two or three of you, at, at, you know, at your workplace or wherever, they're, they're helping keep the seed alive. Because the busyness of life, doing all kinds of things that are not very spiritual, can take that seed and, and, and put thorns around and choke the life out of it. We all have to deal with it. Matter of fact, I think in our culture, one of the worst things is the busyness in the, of everyday life. So we hold on to the seed even in our busyness. The promises of God, we hold on to them. It's so important not to let that be choked. Retaining God's words and promises, Luke 8.15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So we have persevere over certain words that are given to us. It's not that we're earning it. It's just that we're working with God like a midwife, so to speak. We're, we're helping the promise to come to pass. And along the way, God takes us through lots of territory and we see things and we knew things, learn things. Matter of fact, sometimes I'm convinced God puts things in your life 
so that you'll learn about 15 other things that he wanted to get your attention about. (laughs) You ever notice that? He's sneaky that way. He really is sneaky that way. But it's all for the good, isn't it? Because those two things, those things also would be your undoing if it didn't happen the way it happened, right? So uh, it's so important that we... we uh, I'm just going to give you a couple of things, I think, at the very end of the page about retaining God's words and inheriting promises. First thing, continually praying promises of Scripture and giving thanks for the slightest bit of progress is very effective. Matter of fact, we know about this because we see the parables... There's a judge who didn't care about God or care about people. And there was a widow who kept coming, coming, coming. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, that because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. (laughs) So this is the way we are. We In prayer, we just keep coming. We keep coming. That's how we retain a promise. We persevere in prayer, but... There's another dimension that I found extremely helpful, and we find it in Philippians chapter 4 with regard to this persevering and continuing to come. It has to do with this, because otherwise I think it's a little stale and unrelational, and and, um, Paul, understanding these principles so well, throws something in there. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again. That's why, it's like, this is what we did with the worship is rejoicing. Hearing great music is rejoicing. Learning to put, take the thing aside and just go to a different place with God, right? And then looking around, say, oh, what a beautiful day. How wonderful it is. What a wonderful fall it's going to be, you know, all these sort of things. <laughs> I'm still preaching, but you call back later. Thanks. Guess who that was? That was my son. That's what you call a word from our sponsor. All right, I like that word. Thank you, Lord. I recognize that. So I was doing something really good here, um, but I like that one better. Um, Philippians 4. Ah! Here we go. Thank you very much, Laney. Let me say yes again. Yes. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. When you salt it with thanksgiving, you retain the promise much easier. It's the fear, the worry, the anger, all that. You don't retain. You just goes, promises goes in and out. But God, thank you for this situation. Thank you that you got the answer. And there's something about that that clears your heart and most important thing of all, helps you hear the word of God. What I mean by that is when you're in a difficult space, what you need is word from heaven. You may have an initial word that's going to be okay, but you need to know what you're supposed to do next. Because you might be a part of the process of healing or part of the process of, what do I do? Do I see that doctor? Do I go here or go there? When you're overwhelmed by your problems in your life, what happens is your heart, your good heart, gets clouded. And you can't hear, even if God's trying to say, say something to you. But I found giving thanks, that's what he said there, just right here. Petition with thanksgiving. 
Present your request to God. Even it puts you on a different footing with your faith. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Isn't it, right? I'm thanking God. I'm not overwhelmed by this. Thank you for the opportunity to see your glory come once again. Thank you that you care more about this situation than I do. Thank you. When you release it, there's a faith that comes out of that. You're somehow getting over your problem instead of staying under your problem. Somehow you come in thanksgiving, a lifestyle of that continually, I found is one of the best recipes for staying in a place of victory and faith when I'm on a faith journey. Thanksgiving for all around me. It's very powerful. I'm telling you, this is supernatural business and it's done from the inside out. And God knows it. And the sooner we know it, the better. We're not a victim of our circumstances. We actually can retain the word given us and persevere. And Thanksgiving is one of the greatest places to persevere. And here's another one that's very interesting to me. And I've been doing this for a while now. And it's going to sound very, very strange. And I used to hear uh, Oral Roberts talk about this all the time because I went to Oral Roberts University. And we always made fun of his sermons. We always, you know. But actually something sunk in. And here it was. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. We pour into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Ooh. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so when I'm on a faith journey about something... I've learned to sow seeds toward it. It might be in a totally unrelated area. Or it might be in the area. But God will show you about sowing seed. Because when we are givers, what then somehow, I don't know, sometimes I activate my faith that way. I'm really after this thing. God, I'm going to sow this in your honor. I'm going to give this away here. I know it sounds like manipulation, but it isn't. It's, it's another way of getting past the thorns and the all this stuff and say, Lord, I'm sowing right now toward this miracle that I need. I'm going to put it in somebody else's life. And it's very creative how you do that. Well, we don't want to be givers when we have trouble. We want to hunker down, complain, be bitter, get beat the snot beat out of us, and then hopefully we get a miracle. God's just the opposite. Hey, why don't you try thanking me for this? How don't you try expecting a miracle? Why don't you try sowing toward that and then expecting? Because the measure you use towards someone else, the, 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 the way you give is the way you get back. What's well, completely unrelated? Well, just why don't you just sow and just say, Lord, could you apply that toward my account? <laughs> it's not earning. I'm not talking about that. You're not trying to earn a blessing. It's just this law of sowing and reaping is so powerful. You're on a journey with God. He's not shocked that you're bringing it up. He's not worn out from you calling out to Him. He's taking you on this journey to get you to where you need to go. So it's so important that you take this parable and don't fall into the traps of it and use it as you walk with God to learn to expect miracles and to have your heart ready. The thing is about your heart ready is really, really important because sometimes the answer comes and we don't even see it because we are under such stuff. We get the answer right in front of us. This is the way walking it. We can't hear it because we're so disgruntled with God, so discouraged. We haven't sowed anything toward the problem. We're not expecting. We put it way on the back burner. Then the answer comes, knock, 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 and you don't even hear the knock. Or you assume it's somebody else, not God. This is a big deal. This whole thing of what we need is a partnership, like Abraham, and it can be a harrowing ride, but all God's promises are yes and amen. Let's all stand.
I can see in your face a lot of you are getting it. I can't see your faces on the live stream, but I think a lot of you are getting it too. I can feel the anointing. And I can feel hope rise in the room about 10 degrees. Because I'm not helpless. We are not helpless. You're not a victim. Did Dolly Parton say, someone else needs the wood? Get off the cross, honey, because someone else needs the wood. (laughs) That wasn't a particularly spiritual thing to say, but anyway. Some of us make a whole theology of the cross that way. We distort it, you know. I think there's this suffering with Jesus we all go through, no doubt. Nobody avoids pain. Nobody. So we can identify with Jesus in that sense. But I like the resurrection a lot too. (laughs) Right? There's always a resurrection for God's people. Always. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care how convoluted it is. And I don't care how much it's your fault. It's another thing. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Own what you did and move on. Own it and move on. Don't let the condemnation suffocate you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. One of the reasons why this lifestyle is so important is you need to hear God for his answers. And this is the way. And if you're under all that, you can't hear. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you failed once or twice or been this second, they say, God, I'm so in that space. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm going to do different, Lord. Help me to hear your voice. Help me. Give me the strength I need to move into this promise. One of the reasons why we do altar calls, which we've done less because of the COVID, whatever, but I think this might be one of those moments. Maybe some of you can just pause for a moment today and do some business with God. Let him put ideas in your mind. He might even put a giving project in your mind or something you could be of service to him. He might even speak to you about something, about even give you a word of instruction or wisdom this very day about your issue. If we just pause. This sermon was all about that, wasn't it? About... God's answers about God's promises yes and amen right so if you like some of you have to go and this won't apply to you but some of you if you'd like to stay for a moment stay for one moment five moments three moments however you like we'll probably be here five or ten minutes and uh, the worship isn't just a sort of a place to connect with God it's a place to connect and hear from God so my prayer for you as you respond today some of you might want to just come to the front as an act of your faith. Just respond. Just come to the front. Some of you might want to just stay where you are. And just come if you want. I found it helpful sometimes to do that. Just come up and say, God, here I am. You know. So you can just come and present yourself. Just say, God. And then just have it out with God. <laughs> you might want to apologize for a couple of things. And then just start apprehending the, the seed again. You might even want to give a little thanksgiving. Thank God for all the things he got you through, even though you're suffering right now. So this is just doing a little business at the altar. And, you know, you don't have to do an hour of business. Two minutes, three minutes. A changed heart can happen in a second. Sometimes worship opens us up to the truth and opens us up to, on the one side saying, I'm sorry, and on the other side saying, I grab a hold of you again. Some of you need to get back on the train. Grab a hold of God all over again. A 
about whatever it is. Lord, I pray that you would allow that to happen as in this moment as we pause. We'll be here just a few minutes like this. And maybe someone might come along and pray for you, maybe. Uh, or you just do this from your seat. But Lord, I want to ask you that you would grant the ability to do business that counts right now in this place. Business that makes a difference. Prayers that hit the target about our children, about our health, about our business and our economy, about our ministry. Lord, we're open. We thank you for all the incredible grace you put in our life. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for delivering us from our fears. Thank you, God. We have so much to be grateful for. We thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We thank you even for the problem we're facing because it's an avenue of grace. Not condemnation, not torment. It's an avenue of grace. I declare avenues of grace. I declare faith journeys of grace. I declare grace, grace, grace. Yes, yes, yes. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Every promise being contended for, every need that's necessary to be fulfilled. Yes and amen. Most assuredly, indeed, these are promises you've offered us and we lay hold of them today. Whatever's in the way, remove. Whatever attitude we've had, whatever sin that's been in the way, whatever condemnation that's clouded our thoughts, I pray you'd remove right now. As we do business, I pray, God, this very week we would see progress. Even the fact that you could see is important. Just a little progress. Matter of fact, when we take a faith journey, one of the most important things that could happen is you see a little progress. Then you say, thank you. And then you say, famous vineyard prayer. More. <laughs> heal bodies, heal families, heal households, heal businesses. Give direction, insight. Surround us with favor today. May the angels come today, even as we're worshiping. And I want to grab the hand of your spouse. If she's near, just say, we agree. How about the prayer of agreement? We agree for wisdom. We agree for our family. We agree, Lord. We agree. If two or three agree about anything, it'll be done. We agree. We agree. Salvation for that one that's a little stuck, that kid that doesn't seem to want to repent or turn or is away on a walkabout. Do it, Lord. Do it. That one that's worried about being married. Come, Lord. You see what's in my heart, our heart, Lord. You know what we need. Help us with this issue. Help us to see again. Help us to believe again. I speak life into you. Come alive again. Promises for your children to know the Lord and to be okay. Promises for healing over your children in your own life. Healing, anointing. Rest on us. Lord, we just pause here before you. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. We're in agreement with you, Lord. Thank you for the patience you've already given us, and we will exercise us what it takes until we get across the finish line. Because all your promises are yes and amen. Amen.